Welcome to Wind Up Weekly. I'm Matthew Gone. And I'm Katie Canfield. And we're here to share the week's news in wine. This week on Wind Up Weekly. COVID news. UK partly reopens. French scandal and illegal dining. Sam Adams to give a free pint to vaccinated drinkers. Constellation Brands turns a profit despite COVID. Champagne Boulanger buys Ponzi Vineyards in Oregon. Severe weather in Europe as vineyards hit by spring frost. And as ever, our wine of the week. Lots of news to report on this week, but before we begin, our week in wine. And I had a very exciting moment, one that used to be extremely normal, but I have not experienced since last June. And that was uh, me taking a cheeky afternoon pint at Hotmunk Tavern in Sonoma, just down the road from our office. And I walked up and the hostess asked me, um, did I want a table? And I said, yes, just for one person. And she said, well, would you like to sit inside or outside? And I was like, I'll sit inside, seeing as it's allowed. And then she said, do you want to sit at the bar? And I went, sorry? These are words which used to mean something to me, but no longer do. So I said, um, yes. So she walked me up to the bar, and there were two seats at one end of the bar, and two seats at the other end of the bar. And I sat at the, sat at the far end, and um, yeah, I was there at the bar, and the barman came up to me and said, do you want a drink? And I said, yes. And he said, how's your day going? And I said, well, this is the first time I've sat at a bar in 10 months. And he's like, yeah, it's very strange for me as well to see someone so close to me. But it was very friendly and very convivial and extremely safe. There was absolutely no one near me. And obviously the barman is wearing a mask too. But it's a sign that things are getting back slowly to normal. And this Thursday, our favourite bar, Ernie's, is going to reopen. So um, things are a bit more happening. Well, thank you very much, Matthew, for that play-by-play of your day. I'm sure all our listeners were very intrigued to know what you were doing. But you are right. Things are changing. And it's funny to see how ill-prepared we are, really. I know that, you know, here in Napa and Sonoma, where uh, tourism is very important, uh, lots of uh, hotels, uh, restaurants, they're they are looking to hire because, you know, they can open their doors again, ready to welcome people in. But unfortunately, um, labor is difficult, you know, finding labor, bringing people back off of unemployment, offering them jobs again, it, it's a little bit more difficult uh, than we had anticipated. Uh, maybe people aren't uh, chomping at the bit to, to get back to work. And another anecdote, similar to yours, Matthew, is in an event that I am planning uh, to host actually this evening after we record the wind-up, it's a hybrid event. The two hosts of the tasting will be broadcasting virtually to a group in Hong Kong who will actually be together in person. And it was uh, funny, we were joking that when uh, the two hosts of the tasting uh, went to the venue, uh, you know, we had the linens, we had the glassware, but there was no corkscrew and there were no spittoons. So just goes to show it's been a long time since we've hosted an in-person wine event. We're forgetting the necessary items. Yes, things that once were normal, you're now like, um, what am I supposed to do again? But as you say, Katie, not everything is in person, despite my exhilarating experience at the bar. And so this weekend, I was also teaching via Zoom for Grape Experience, Duelicity Diploma, uh, D3, which is the big one, and they're just starting. Their exam's going to be in October. And so they all had little sample bottles, which we were pouring from. I had them as well. And teaching about White Burgundy, Red Burgundy, and the Northern Rhone. 
which is not a bad way to spend a weekend, because these are some of the finest wines of the world. Although tasting red burgundy at eight in the morning, I have to say, on a Sunday, I have to say is a bit of a challenge, but I got through it, Katie. Did you have your yogurt and banana first? I did. So the first couple of wines did taste of yogurt, but I think that's just the malolactic fermentation. That's what the students concluded. And now on with the news. Lots of COVID news to report, and for once, more positive rather than negative. On Monday, the UK partly reopened after months of enforced closure due to COVID restrictions. The reopening is part of the roadmap to full reopening in June, and was eagerly anticipated by many consumers across the country. Only outdoor dining is allowed for pubs and restaurants, but despite inclement weather below freezing in Newcastle, and we'll be talking about weather in Europe quite a bit in this podcast, drinkers were queuing up at midnight to celebrate. There were concerns that social distancing wasn't being practiced, amid fears that reopening will lead lead to an uptick in COVID cases and deaths. One drinker, though, compared the mood to that of VE Day. The UK are really obsessed by the war. It's been a good many years, but they still make these comparisons with that feeling of a, of a release of pent-up emotion after months of being cooped up. However, many pubs and restaurants will struggle to get through the reopening due to 20% capacity restrictions and insufficient outdoor facilities. And, of course, all fingers are crossed that the reopening is successful, rather than leading to everything closing down again. Yes, we wouldn't want that, would we? In related news, there is debate over whether lockdowns or the rollout of the vaccine have led to a fall in cases in both the UK and the USA. Both countries have seen a wider uptake on the vaccine, so as they begin to open up, we'll be able to see just how successful it is. Brewer Sam Adams has no doubts. Anyone who has had the vaccine will get a free pint. The promotion applies until the 15th of May, or until 10,000 people have taken up the offer. When we record the next episode of the pod, I will have had my second shot, assuming that I'm still standing and don't have a fever, but um, most people I know have been okay. But I can assure you that I will not be taking Sam Adams up on its offer. I will buy a pint of something I like. That was my next question for you, was whether that pint would be a Sam Adams or something different. Hmm. Meanwhile, scandal in Paris as TV station M6 led an undercover report into illegal fine dining in Paris, in which both a restaurant and a high-end club were implicated. Guests are heard being told that once they enter, quote, there is no COVID, and they were filmed wearing no masks and kissing each other on the cheek. To add to the scandal, a government minister was reported to be one of the guests present. Hmm, that story sounds familiar. Either establishment could be fined 15,000 euros for endangering people's lives, with guests fined 135 euros for not wearing masks. To put this scandal into context, French restaurants have been closed since October of 2020, and the country is entering its third full lockdown. This sounds almost like a masquerade, doesn't it? It does, without the masks. And it's a very French and very Parisian scandal, kissing each other on the cheeks, not wearing any masks in a fine restaurant, eating fine food with a government minister involved, of course. 
But France doesn't seem to have dealt with um, the vaccine rollout and COVID very well recently. And so they are um, entering this third stage of lockdown. Whereas, as we've reported, um, here in California and in the UK, things are opening up a little more quickly. Uh, let's hope the good news continues and some of the bad news ceases to continue. Despite the hit the hospitality industry has had over the last 12 months, global giant Constellation saw profits rise in 2020. This in part is due to a long-term strategy to focus on beer rather than wine, as the pod has reported. Constellation finally completed a deal to sell its low-end wine portfolio to Gallo. Corona and Modelo are the two big leaders in Constellation's beer profits, especially in the three months leading up to Christmas. Overall, Constellation sales rose by 3% to $8.6 billion, with beer up by 10% and expected to increase even further in 2021 and into 2022. So I knew that sparkling wine and champagne are always see a rise in sales around the holidays, but I didn't realize that Corona and Modelo also saw that same sort of success. For me, a lager is more of a summer drink. Well, I think this continues on what we've been reporting over the last year of people buying for at-home consumption. And therefore, um, these kind of beers are very good party drinks, everyday drinking, fairly low alcohol, popular with many consumers, well-known brands, and also probably Constellation brands really putting a lot of effort into promoting these uh, beers. And also they have um, created a Corona hard seltzer as well, which apparently has done has been quite successful, much to the consternation of Anheuser because um, Constellation owned the distribution rights in the US, but Anheuser owned the distribution rights across the rest of the world. And so this um, Corona hard seltzer is just a US-only product without any consultation with its um, global partners. Fascinating. And just what we needed, more Corona and hard seltzer. Sounds delicious, especially if you have a lime with the hard seltzer. Well, I was going to say it must be lime-flavored, right? You would think so, yes. But this has been a long, ongoing project of Constellation Brands to focus on beer rather than wine, because they do feel there's more money to be made in beer, especially at that lower end, that lower tier. And it would seem they they were correct. And they are predicting that profits may go up by 20-odd percent over the next 12 months. So they're really... um, moving into that sphere away from the the low-end wines. Champagne Bolloget made their first ever acquisition outside of France with the purchase of Ponzi vineyards in Oregon. Feeling that their presence in the US needs bolstering, Bolloget had been looking for a winery to purchase for some time, and purchasing a quality producer with a provenance dating back to the 1960s fits in with Bollinger's overall profile. The sum has not been disclosed, but Bollinger gets an established winery with a good reputation, complete with a tasting room, as well as a physical presence in the US market. Ponzi fam- family members will continue to be involved in the running of the winery. But this um, is, an, is evidence of Bollinger really branching out from their champagne um, stronghold, a producer that's very well known in the UK and very well associated with the UK because of James Bond and other uh, establishment figures. But they really want to get into the US, which is dominated by Moët et Chandon and all their different brands. And of course, Bollinger is a very high quality product and 
they definitely should be targeting the US because it's such a growing market and there's a wide consumer base to be targeted. Well, I happen to know Ponzi Vineyards quite well. Um, They were one of the brands that we represented while I worked at Wilson Daniels, and they still are part of that portfolio. And so I wonder what that means now with this purchase. Uh, Sounds like they're going to have a lot more resources at their fingertips. And this continues the longstanding investment of champagne producers on the West Coast. Going back to Moe Chandon, investing in California in the early 1970s, and then Louis Roederer in the 1980s, and they recently purchased Mary Edwards, another good quality West Coast producer. And so they're going beyond sparkling wine into Pinot Noir and other good, cooler climate varieties, which fits in with their overall branding. Well, in Oregon, this is not the first French producer to invest. We have famed Burgundy producer Domaine Druon, for example, invested way back when in uh, Willamette Valley. That's right. I think sometimes there's a stereotype that the French are quite insular, but actually, no, they're always investing in new regions because they know where the money is and where the future is. It's taken Bollinger a while, but here they are in, on the West Coast. Welcome. Does that mean we get more Bollinger? That is the hope, Katie. Well, we've been enjoying a lovely sunny spring, almost summer-like here in California. The weather over the last week in Europe has been bad and very cold. Matthew, you witnessed this uh, vicariously through football, didn't you? I did. I watched uh, Bayern Munich play Paris Saint-Germain last week where there was snow in April and it looked uh, particularly miserable, I have to say, and very um, old school. And then in Madrid over the weekend, Real Madrid played Barcelona and there was torrential rain and at the end of it, Lionel Messi was shivering, like literally shivering. It was very, very cold and miserable. What a depressing sight. And that's been reflected in the vineyard, with some of the worst frost in decades hitting France and also Italy, as far south as Rome. For many producers, it was all hands on deck, with Bunsen burners and even candles being lit, as well as helicopters flying low to remove the cold air. Temperatures fell as low as negative 6 and negative 7 Celsius, an indication of just how cold it was. The effect of these freezing temperatures was exasperated by a warm spring, which meant that the vines were already going through bud break, the worst time for spring frost to hit. The northern Rhone was badly hit as well, especially Cote Roti, as well as Burgundy, Champagne, and it really looks like 2021 could be a very low-yielding vintage. Yes, it was reported in Burgundy that yields could be 50% down and Northern Rhone could be 95% down. So not good news for producers at all. So we know this isn't necessarily new news. In the past, these regions have experienced uh, these sort of... uh, these sort of weather events, inconvenient times in the growing season. Um, But it, you know, these really extreme weather conditions uh, do make us wonder if uh, climate change is part of the issue here. Right, producers uh, compared this uh, spring frost which just hit to some of the worst frosts over the last 40 years and concluded that this is the worst of them all. So really extreme. And I think the fact it's hitting Northern Rhone and not just Champagne Burgundy, which we associate with frost, shows just how bad it is. And these extreme weather patterns do seem to be um, quite a consistent worry. And now for our wine of the week, 
Katie, which is? A wine made from some very good friends of ours. Darling, North Coast, Syrah, 2019. And Tom Darling is a regular listener of the podcast, or so he claims. So we'll see if he uh, catches that his wine has been mentioned in this episode. And um, he came to our office yesterday to taste us on his latest releases. And the last time I tasted with him, he had had just two wines to taste. Now he has six. So he's really expanding. Very um, new producer. He's originally from Massachusetts. And um, he and his wife, Ashley, are very firmly committed to um, really increasing the quality of the wines as they explore different vineyards, different parts of the North Coast, and working with uh, different varieties. But there is a consistent theme to their wines, which is they're very lean, low in alcohol, quite elegant, quite peppery and spicy, and indicative of a different side of California that I think people outside of California don't really realize exists that isn't fruit-driven oak aged wines but something which is much more restrained and balanced yes and part of the lineup it's steadily increasing um, with each vintage because as they explore new vineyard sites uh, all over the north coast and and some of the vineyard sites are quite near us here in petaluma so kind of west sonoma coast and Really interesting because they're they're treating all of the wines in the same way, so same winemaking, uh, same aging, uh, so they can really you know kind of see the differences in each of these uh, different you know mesoclimates that you you find in these uh, different pockets of the Sonoma Coast. And this wine is yeah, it's actually under twelve percent for a Syrah uh, from California, which is a bit unheard of, I would say, but uh, super peppery and just all those lovely things that you get from Northern Rhone, uh, dare I say it, but you know, something that I think is very interesting, especially from a food pairing perspective. And I think that's why uh, their their brand has done quite well with the on trade. Obviously, uh, that was hurt with the pandemic. Uh, But as doors open up, hopefully that will pick up again. And it's so much fun to taste wines, which are coming from vineyards just down the road from where we live, really feeling the, the wind of Petaluma Gap and the cooler nights, but still fairly warm days being really reflected in the wine. And Tom is making wine from several vineyards located in the Petaluma Gap, both in Marin County, just south of us, and in Sonoma County, just around us. And it's nice to taste the subtle differences between the different vineyards with different soil types and different... Um, exposure to the wind because that's what Petaluma Gap is all about and this wine in particular is the North Coast which is a blend of two vineyards rather than a single vineyard wine which just uh, marries the best of the two so it's got a nice fruitiness to it a nice kind of crunchy ripeness but also a light peppery texture. And best ways that I know to get your hands on these wines is to go to darlingwines.com directly and just order off their website, join their wine club. We're members and we're very happy. And very small production for the time being, as he's just as they're just getting going. Uh, so these wines do actually sell out very quickly because once people taste them, they really do like them, which I think is a very good sign. Cheers to that. So thank you for listening as we enter this uh, new phase of life after lockdown. Who knows what it will bring, but rest assured that Wind Up Weekly will be here reporting the latest. You get to hear about all my bar activities. Well worth listening to. We appreciate your uh, your listening and your feedback. And see you next week when hopefully I have my second shot. 
Cheerio. Mm-hmm.